You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. The Constitution of Japan does not apply beyond this point. I'm TK, your guide to the past as we uncover the people, events, and little-known facts hidden in the shadows of your old history textbooks. From empress baddies to activist profiles, turkey gods and the history of the toothbrush, tattoos, Pompeii peepees, and everything in between, you can find it all here. There's no telling how far we'll dig or how many historical facts we'll re-examine. No event is too small and no topic is too big because this is for the love of history. Hello, 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 my friend. I'm TK, your tour guide to the past, and you are listening to For the Love of History, the podcast where we talk about world history, women's history, and weird history, and apparently today, spooky history. (laughs) If you're new here, welcome. You've come on a most spooktacular day. Today is the bonus Halloween episode. Ooh! And we've got some creepy, crawly things in store for you, my friend. And I also wanted to throw in, this is the 50th episode of For the Love of History podcast. And I couldn't think of a better episode than this to celebrate 50 episodes with. Spooky, ooky ghost stories from Japan. Two things that I absolutely love. And you know what else I absolutely love? You, friend. Thank you for being here. And thank you for you know, helping me stay motivated to do these 50 episodes because sometimes it does get incredibly hard to, to do this all by myself. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I will stop rambling and yeah. Okay. Thanks. (laughs) Mm. I'm going to tell you some ghost stories and I'm going to tell you some history. So make sure you cover up your feet because it's going to get real spooky in here. And feet is what monsters go for first. Everybody knows that, right? Right. So grab a blanket to hide under and light a candle to keep the ghosts away. And let's get to it. Japan is on some next-level shiznit when it comes to ghost stories. A lot of the cult classic movies in North America originated in Japan, like The Ring and the one movie where the house is, like, haunted and there's a lady in the bathtub and a cat, not a cat, a boy meows. What's that movie's name? I don't remember that movie, but pretty much... Any movie where the main character is either a child or a lady with long black hair, it originated in Japan. But modern ghost stories aren't all that Japan has in its spooky arsenal. Side note, if you are in a place where you can safely drink and are of age, 
just take a drink every time I say spooky because good lord, it's going to be a lot. I need a thesaurus. Please someone get me a thesaurus. Anyways, spooky arsenal. Japan has had a love affair with ghost stories since the dawn of Japanese written literature. So today I'm going to tell you three spine tingling tales and how they came to be. So here we go. The Constitution of Japan does not apply beyond this point. A young couple has been stranded for hours on the road. Their car broke down on their way to Hisayama City. As they wandered around to find help, they came across a handwritten sign declaring that Japanese law no longer applied past this point. They stare down the dark abyss of an abandoned tunnel, Inunaki, the Dog's Cry Tunnel. With no other option, they decide to head through the tunnel to find help. They soon come upon a small village. It seemed to be a town lost in time, abandoned and forgotten. They have no signal and there is not a soul in sight. The couple decided that it was a dead end, and they turned around to leave when they hear a voice of a man from afar. Well, howdy there. Welcome to Inunaki Village. He appeared out of nowhere, and in the blink of an eye, he was right in front of the couple. We love visitors here, he said. We just don't like it when they leave us. And with one smooth slice, he cut the young man in half with a sickle. The young woman shrieked, but before she could move, the sickle came down on her. As she lay there, breathing her last breaths, she noticed something she hadn't seen before. Behind and between the small buildings... There were dead people and decaying corpses all around. Ooh, she's spooky, right? <laughs> what a way to start the episode. I know. This story of Inunaki Tunnel is one of the most famous ghost stories in Japan. I talked with Rin, my husband, a lot to make this episode, seeing as he is my resident expert on Japanese ghost stories. I asked him if he had heard of this one, and he gave like a little shudder and said, of course, everyone in Japan has. So there's some good news and some bad news with this spooky tale, but I'm, you know what? I'm not really sure if it is good news or bad news, and I'm going to let you decide, but the tunnel and the village are actually real places. They do exist in real life. So good news, bad news, I don't know, but it's not actually the site of a mass murder so that could possibly be the good news but we're gonna move on <laughs> but the undeniable actual bad news is that the tunnel is the site of one actual confirmed murder on the 6th of december 1988 a group of men murdered a factory worker koichi umeyama near the tunnel the men had threatened Umeyama for his car, but he refused, 
And when he did, they pulled him out of his car and dragged him to the tunnel, Inunaki Tunnel, and killed him. Then they set his body on fire. All of this is very well documented and was highly publicized at the time. All the perpetrators were arrested shortly after, and at the trial in 1991, they were all sent to life imprisonment. After this highly publicized murder case, rumors of hauntings and weird noises and children crying and dogs crying started popping up in the local area. But it didn't gain nationwide attention yet. Things really started to pick up in 1999 when a letter was sent to the Nippon TV station describing the story that I told you earlier. In combination with the acute murder and this creepy letter that was then televised for some reason, I have no idea why people would put that on TV, but it was 1999. It was a different time. Anyways, the combination of these two things made Inunaki Tunnel become a hotspot for paranormal travel. Rumors and ghost stories spread nationwide. To this day, the morbid curious come to Inunaki Tunnel to see if they can catch a ghost themselves. In Fukui Prefecture, there is a castle. One of the 12 original castles that still exist in Japan. Maruoka Castle's stone sides are steep and strong, but they weren't always so. When the castle was being built, the foundation continuously collapsed. Time and time again, the stone pillars would crumble and the ground would swallow them up. The samurai lord of the prefecture was at his wit's end and looked for anything that would help him complete his castle. One builder suggested that they had somehow angered the elemental gods and they must be appeased. And the best way to do this was to make a sacrifice. But not just any sacrifice. One strong enough to coax the god of nature to allow this castle to be built and protected from future damage. A hitobashira must be performed, and they were going to find a willing person to bury alive in the castle's foundation. One such volunteer was found. A young woman named Oshizu was willing to give up her life in return for a secure future her children. You see, Oshizu was a mother of two and had no prospects for her children's future. She agreed to be buried alive in exchange for her son being made a samurai. The lord of the castle agreed and Oshizu said goodbye to her children. She was laid in the foundation and was buried in the rocks. The walls and pillars held fast and strong. The sacrifice had worked, and the castle was finally built. 
But the Lord had not held up his end of the bargain and never made Oshizu's son a samurai. When spring came the next year, the rain was unusually heavy, so heavy that the moat overflowed and the walls of the castle leaked as if they were crying. The rain was torrential and began to damage the castle. The foundation began to shake. The villagers suffered from the great flood as their houses and livelihoods were washed away. They blamed the Lord and his broken promise, believing the rain to be Oshizu's sorrowful tears. In order to stop the destructive rain, they built a small tomb to calm her spirit. And to this day, people must pray there to stop the floods from coming. Ooh, spooky! So this is a fun one, uh, because although this is a ghost story, the practice of hitobashira was a real thing. People in Japan did it until the 16th century. So basically what hitobashira is, is burying a willing sacrifice in the foundation of a building or a castle or a temple or something, or on the bank of a river. And this is done to appease the gods and goddesses of nature. The first record of Hitobashira can be found in the Nihon Shoki, which is like Japan's oldest history book slash fairy tale slash urban legend book. Not urban, I guess, because it's not urban at all. Legend book? You know what I mean. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's a legendary book. It's like the Odyssey, but historical and Japanese. So in the Nihon Shoki, there is a story that took place in the early 300s AD about the Hitobashira practice. This practice was not isolated to Japan, but actually happened all over China and Korea as well. The belief was that a great enough sacrifice, like a human life, if that was made, it would appease the gods of nature and would ward off flood, damage from earthquakes, enemy attacks, and just general not good stuff. The sacrifice would be buried directly in the foundation, like I said, or in a coffin, or sometimes drowned in the river that they were trying to keep from flooding. But TK, who in their right mind would willingly be buried alive? I know. I know. Great question. I was thinking the same thing. So let me explain this to you. There is a very cool and also infuriating part of the Japanese language. You have a single kanji with a meaning, right? But sometimes those single kanji can be used to mean totally different things. For example, the kanji for pillar can also be a counter kanji for Shinto gods. So there's a double meaning of god and pillar. And that means that the person who is within the pillar is now connected to the gods. And you, you know, you can't just toss someone in a pit and be like, you're a god, thank you. There's a ton of ceremony and pomp that goes into this kind of sacrifice. You gotta do very specific rituals and this connection with the gods and this kind of veneration is what makes the sacrifice worth it for people. 
And often their family is also like compensated in some way, you know. So that puts an extra layer of incentive to the sacrifice. And there are countless tales of people sacrificing themselves to become hitobashira. So the next time you come to Japan and you're walking through a temple or an old castle, just imagine how many bodies are buried in the foundation. We interrupt this program for a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Politics and War, the online political strategy game where you get to create your own country and compete with thousands of other players, diplomatically, militarily, and economically. I know as a history lover, there has been many a time when I thought I could run a country better myself, and you can live out that dream in Politics and War. Politics and War is a free game to play with limited microtransactions to ensure that the game is fair and not pay to win. You can play for free in your browser at politicsandwar.com or download the Politics and War app on the Google Store or Apple Play Store. Thank you so much to Politics and War for sponsoring this episode. Do you think I'm beautiful? These are the words the woman says to you in the dark. You're a child walking home alone. Not a soul in sight except for the woman under the street light. She has her back to you and her long black hair covers her face. She asks you, Am I beautiful? And for some reason, you cannot move your feet. They have turned to lead. Yes, uh, of course. You manage to squeeze out of your slowly closing throat. The woman slowly begins to turn around. Her face is covered with a mask, and she asks you again, Am I beautiful? As she pulls the mask down to reveal her face slit from ear to ear and her unhinged jaw. Am I beautiful now? And the world goes dark. This, my friend, is the story of Kuchisake Ona, the slit-faced woman. The most well-known ghost story in all of Japan. No matter your age, if you are born and raised in Japan, if you've spent any extended period of time in Japan or even enjoy learning about Japanese things, you know this story. According to Ikura Yoshiyuki, a Kokugakuin University associate professor, which just means like the study of classical Japanese, he researches oral literature 
And according to him, Kuchisake Ona is likely the first purely Japanese urban legend, originating in the Heian period, which was about 12,800 years ago, was the time period. A young, beautiful woman marries a great samurai lord, and she is the quintessential Heian beauty. Tiny lips, black teeth, long glossy black hair, and powdered white skin. But her beauty is only skin deep. She was apparently very vain and sneaky and cheated on her samurai lord husband, which is a big no-no, and he was not happy when he found out. To punish her, he cut her mouth from ear to ear and said, Who will think you're pretty now? And from that day, she is said to be roaming the earth, just killing mostly kids. Yeah, like WTF, man. Kids didn't do anything to you. Why not kill adult men? (laughs) Anyways, I digress. But how did this ghost story, this urban legend, spread all over Japan, TK? Let me know the origins, TK, and I got you. No worries, my friend. I'm going to tell you right now. The story of Kuchisake Ona has been floating around for hundreds of years but didn't really have that much household name recognition until about 1978, when a rumor circulated that an old woman in a farming town of Yaotsu in Gifu Prefecture spotted a woman with the now notorious split mouth standing in the corner of her garden. She then reported it to the local newspaper, who then printed out an article about the story, and the legend spread and grew through repetition among the children of the area. Which, okay, can we stop for a second? What is with all of these newspapers publishing crazy things in the news? What? You guys, you don't have any other news to report? You got a report what the lady said she saw in her garden one day? I don't know. But anyways, children spread this rumor like wildfire. So many variations of this story have been told over and over and over again in Japan. And it really depends on where you are, what prefecture you're in in Japan. But one thing remains the same. She has a slit mouth, and she kills kids. Six months after this article was printed in the newspaper, the rumor spread nationwide. It wasn't just a locally isolated thing. This rumor and this ghost story spread at a pretty perfect time. The number of children that were going to cram schools, like after-school tutoring programs, was increasing at that time. So before, rumors couldn't really cross over school districts, but kids from different schools were going to the same cram school at night, so they were communicating. So these kids took the stories they heard from other schools and shared them at their own. Technology was also becoming more accessible, and people would pass these ghost stories further to relatives and other acquaintances by telephone. 
and other newspapers and television stations started picking up the story, which once again, what? Why? That's, I mean, I'm glad that they did because now we have a cool story, but also, why? <laughs> it was really just the perfect storm for this tale of the slit mouth woman to spread all over Japan. And there has been hundreds of iterations of this story through manga, through anime, through TV shows, through dramas. This story has been told countless times and will continue to be told a hundred, a thousand, a million times more. And I'll let Mr. Ikura Yoshiyuki close this episode out for us. At first, teachers and parents were also worried about this rumored slit-mouth woman. They conducted patrols and arranged for children to return home in groups. But the rumors died down around the start of the summer holidays in 1979. But the powerful image of the slit-mouth woman lingered in everyone's memory. Well, my spooky little specter, we have come to our final thought today, and it's a book recommendation. If you want to learn more about spooky, ooky Japanese ghost stories and also indulge the history nerd inside of you, I would highly recommend reading Apparitions, Ghosts of Edo by Miyuki Miyabe and translated by Daniel Huddleston. If you read this book, you are going to learn a lot about historic Japan and its supernatural beings. And you're just absolutely going to love it. I love it. I promise. And I will leave a link to the book in the show notes, dear one. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for turning, turning in this week, tuning in this week. It means so much to me that you're here because without you, there would be no this, no podcast, no nothing, no me. <laughs> Your kind messages and reviews really keep me afloat and I can't thank you enough. If you'd like to support the podcast and help me continue making the best quality content that I can, you can join Patreon or make a one-time donation by following the link in my bio on Twitter or Instagram. And if that's not your thing, simply leaving a rating and a review are super duper helpful. It really helps boost for the love of history in the algorithm to help other people find our little community. Or you could tell a friend about For the Love of History, which is also the number one way people start listening to podcasts. Whatever you do, thank you so much, and I hope you have a great day, a great week, a great month, a great year. Be safe on Halloween, drink your water, don't forget to be kind to yourself, and I will see you on November 12th when we talk about some killer beauty. Okay, boo-bye! Why is there a metronome right now? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs>